Mark the 11th chapter. Praise God. In, um, in February of 1999, I don't remember the, the exact date, but it was a Tuesday morning. Right before I woke up, I had a, um, I had a dream. And um, it was probably the most vivid dream from the Holy Spirit that I've ever or let me say this way, that I've received up into that point and for that matter up into this point. And um, anyway, it came up in a conversation between Pam and I and I just felt prompted to go pull that out of the archives and, and listen to it. And um, we had started in those early days of 1998, really mid-June of 98, on Wednesday nights, I had set out to uh, teach on the subject of prayer. I thought, you know, it's, it just kind of seemed good to me, you know, that church just started and had our first service that first Sunday in June of 98. And so, but later that afternoon in the cabinet business in full swing too. So later that afternoon as I was just kind of looking over my notes, I stumbled across, I'm using that term, led there by the Holy Spirit. John chapter two, verse one through 11. Man, just some stuff jumped off the page at me that, that afternoon. And so I said, well, we'll preach on that tonight and go back to the prayer next Wednesday. And so that Wednesday night, we preached from those 11 verses, and I realized, man, there's some more stuff here. And so the next Wednesday night, I, Lord, you know, would you, I'll do the prayer. And I said, no, John 1 through 11. So when this particular sermon that I shared the dream in, that was um, sermon number 34 from those 11 verses. And I think we went to 155, I believe, years, um, three years on Wednesday nights we preached from those 11 verses. And I, and I remember when I was listening to that because, man, it brought back, Holy Spirit was giving us some good stuff from all that. I'm, I'm telling you. My voice sounded so different back in those days, too. I was like, what in the world, you know? I'm going to try to figure out a way to get some of those available if somebody would like to access some of that stuff. But I bring it up now, one, because the Lord spoke to me yet again through all of, all of that. And, and, and. But it also encouraged me because I know we've been on this subject for several Wednesday nights in a row. And I uh, always try to think about, obviously, the Holy Spirit and what does He want us to do, but I always also think about you guys. I'm like, man, Father, you know, they, they got enough of this. We're ready to move on to something else, you know. And, and 
Um, I feel like some of you are experiencing some breakthroughs in this area, and I feel like uh, even more of us are, are on the verge of some really important breakthroughs in our lives on this subject of faith. And so um, when we finally shut it down at 155 sermons, um, believe it or not, there was, there was more there. And I think my, one of my biggest arguments when the Lord was leading me to, to start the church was that I didn't feel like I could, you know, would have anything to say three sermons a week. I'm like, how in the world I ever preach three sermons a week, you know? And um, so I think the Lord was just kind of showing me that His Word is literally inexhaustible. You, you, can, you can go to the same verse over and over and over again, come back to it three months later and see something you've never seen before. The Bible, well, the Holy Spirit in the Word of God through the Apostle Paul refers to that as the manifold wisdom of God. For those of you who understand cars, think about a manifold on a car. But it's, it's talking about the multi-layered many folds wisdom of God and, and, and His wisdom. Well, the Bible says there's no searching it. That doesn't mean we shouldn't search. It's, it's just the idea is you'll never get to the bottom of it. It's how deep it is. And so when it comes to this subject of faith, it's such an important subject. But what we've really been focusing on is the practical application of it. Um, I want you to begin to see yourself as a leader, okay? I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang with me, all right? There's a model of leadership that Jesus um, operated in and since he's our example in all things, it's the model of leadership that we all need to understand, study, and, and um, follow in his footsteps. And that model of leadership is the model of servant leadership. Jesus, obviously, is the greatest leader that ever lived but, and changed the world. But he did it not as a ruler lording over people, he did it as a servant ministering to them. Now, when we say that I want you to begin to think of yourself as a leader, this is important because the world's model is you got one man or woman who's the leader and everybody else kind of follows. But that's not how Father set his kingdom up to work. You say, well, Pastor Mark, if everybody's a leader, who, who's following then? Who's, who's leading? Well, again, if you understand the model of servant leadership, every person in this room has some special and unique gift, talent, ability, calling, purpose, something you can do that you're good at, that you're passionate about, that Father's put in your heart. And you're to lead others by serving that gift to them. By serving that gift to them. 
There is no power struggle in the Trinity tonight. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they, God is love and they are God. That's the triune God. You have to bend the language to even communicate who and what they are. But Jesus didn't come to this earth to speak of himself or do his own thing. He came completely, totally submitted to his Father to say what his Father told him to say and do what his Father told him to do. And before he left, he said, the Holy Spirit's coming next and he will not talk about himself. He'll talk about me. Do you see this? Jesus, Jesus didn't talk about himself. Jesus talked about the Father. Holy Spirit comes. He don't talk about himself. He talks about Jesus. And, and yet, we couldn't say that they're not, it's almost laughable to put God in this term, but there's some strong leadership there, to say the least. And so, a leader is someone who is impacting and influencing other people. I know John Maxwell and others, they, they like to define leadership as influence. I personally believe it's a, a little more than that, but it's a good place to start, is to think of the potential that you have to make a difference in other people's lives by influencing them, by setting an example for them, by um, you know, doing you know, something for them in, in their lives in some way. Um, th this, this is the spirit of leadership. This is the, the, the heart of leadership. Every, every human being God intends to be a man or a woman of influence, a man or a woman who is leading others. Now, I said all that to say, one of the, one of the key elements, one of the main purposes of a leader is to solve problems. It's really, really we, we make this out to be way more complicated than it really is. A leader influences people, serves people, but if you wanna, if you wanna impact somebody's life, if you wanna make a difference in somebody's life, help them solve a problem they've got. Are you seeing this? Help, help, help them understand a problem that, that they're dealing with and, and then help, help them solve that problem. Notice, see how that kind of brings it all together. Leadership, influence, ministry, serving. Jesus, let's just think about it. Greatest leader ever, ever lived on this earth, Jesus solve the greatest problem that mankind will ever have, sin. Are you seeing this? If, if you want to, like for your employer, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you want to become invaluable to him or her? Become a problem solver for them. Identify the problems and figure out a way to solve them. Even, even you brothers and sisters that are in the foundry and, and that sort of thing, listen, you, I tell you early and often, 
Some of the most amazingly gifted and talented people I've ever met, I've met them at the foundry, right? And, and so, you know, use your gifts, use your talents, use your abilities to, to, and I know you do, praise God, this is the cream of the crop right here tonight, but, but wherever you are, foundry, church, job, home, again, getting in there and, and solving problems. Look at Jesus' life was characterized by solving problems. For some reason, it just jumps up in my spirit. I don't think any of us fully understand the problem that that man there in Gadara, he was possessed with a legion of demons and, and terrorized that whole countryside and, and, they, and they tried to, I mean, you talk about a bad neighbor now, come on. We, we had a little, little dust up there in our neighborhood. One of the folks up the street, their uh, pit bull got out and ran all the way down the hill and jumped on another man's wife. And obviously I got everybody kind of stirred up and bitter and all that stuff, you know. But, man, this, this wasn't a man's dog go bite somebody. I bet that man tried to bite people. They couldn't, they couldn't do nothing. I mean, they tried to, they tried to chain him up and they couldn't. And, and I mean, it just kept everybody. I mean, they, I mean, you got somebody like that living around you. You don't let your kids outside. Do you? I mean, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it, Jesus solved the problem. I and mean, we could just, we could go on and on and on. I'm not trying to reduce him to something less than what he is. But if we don't recognize this key element of what made him so special and, and so such a tremendous influence on people's lives is because he, he solved their problems. He, he, he was, became a solution to everything from demonic possession to sickness to hunger, um, just all these different things that last time I checked, people are still dealing with on planet Earth. Amen. But we also see that as Jesus was solving these problems, as Jesus was dealing with, with these things and making this tremendous difference in people's lives, influencing people's lives by serving who and what he was to the world. Let, let's go back to it now. You, I say go back to it, go back to it in our minds. Do you remember when Peter and James and John, they're going to worship at the temple after Jesus has resurrected after he's ascended, after all this has happened, right? They're going to worship at the temple. And um, that blind man's there begging. He's got a problem. He can't see. There's really not a lot of, you know, system in place from the government to help him. And, you know, they gave him basically a permit to beg. This guy's got a real problem. He's, just, he's blind man, adult, no opportunity trying to feed himself. And again, what did they tell him? Brother, we, we don't have any money in our pockets, but we do have something to give you, right? We do have something to give you. And I, I said blind man, lame man, thank you, Holy Spirit, the lame man. He was crippled. 
not blind, crippled. And, and they, they grabbed him. And See, again, you, we can call it a miracle because it was. We can call it healing because it was. We can call it a work of God because it was. All of those things are true. But at, at the very bottom of all of that, the Holy Spirit through these men just solved a problem. Just solved a problem. Now, one of the problems that we have in the body of Christ, one of, let me say it another way, one of the issues that we have in the body of Christ is that a lot of people tend to avoid problems. We, we tend to deny problems. We, we tend to pretend like problems don't exist. Matter of fact, we, we'll even, I mean, we, we'll walk into a church, you know, just drag ourselves in there and walk in the front door. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. Blessed and highly favored. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like our thing, right? I'm not making light of that, but how many times have we all said it when we aren't feeling anything but blessed and highly favored? You know. So we, we tend to deny problems, avoid problems. It's not how we're, we're equipped. That's not, that's not who we are. Jesus went about destroying the works of the devil and fixing people's problems. Is this striking a chord in you like it's striking a chord in me? It's because it's what we were created and then recreated in Christ Jesus to do. Amen. Now, what does all of this have to do with faith? Faith is how we solve the problems. When they lifted that man up and his legs received strength and then later they were called on the carpet about it, they said, no, no, we, we didn't do this. It was the name of Jesus and faith in his name that made this man perfectly whole and sound in front of you all. So, we were created by God, again, make a difference in the lives of other people, influence other people for His glory, be used by Him to solve problems in people's lives, help fix things, help make things better. All, all of this is, is who we are, it's who we were created to be. and. I don't know about you, my friend, but I think I know about you because I know about me and, and, and we're cut from the same cloth as far as born of the same seed. I get tremendous satisfaction out of helping people solve problems. Is, am I the only one? Do you, you know? Amen. So let's, again, when I say I want we need to start seeing ourselves as leaders. Um, Micah Andrews, he, CEO at the Foundry, dear friend of mine, he, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe less than that time, just kind of zips on by now. But he walked into a meeting as a 
director's meeting at the foundry and have those once a month. And, and he asked a question. He said, how many of you in this room consider yourself to be an expert at what you do? Well, none of us raised our hands. And it was more than just being modest. You know, I mean, I thank God for what I know, but I, I, got, a, I got a lot to learn, you know what I'm saying? Somebody told me a long time ago that an expert's nothing but a drip under pressure. And so I, a former drip under pressure, I think, so anyway. And so none of us raised our hands and he said this to me and it changed my life. He said, well, whether you see yourself as an expert or not, he said, the people that we serve, see, people outside the foundry look, look at you as an expert. They look at you as, you see, amen. So I'm sitting here saying leader, influencer, solve problems, fix things for people, what have you. And probably a lot of you were in here like, man, that's, that's not me. That's, I'm not sure I can do that. But that's not just how other people look at you. That's, that's how your heavenly father looks at you. That, that's who you are. As a matter of fact, when I say looking for problems, I don't mean like some may think looking for trouble. That's not what I mean. But rather than avoiding them and, and hiding from them and turn our back to them and denying that they're there. Let's start looking for problems to solve. Don't you think that's the boldness that the Holy Spirit was bringing into, into our lives? How many times do you think Peter, James, and John had passed that? It was the gate called Beautiful, those different gates they were named. There is no telling how many times they passed that man. But now that day it was different. When he asked for help that day, something just rose up strong in them. It's like, you know, how many times did we see Jesus fix this kind of problem for people? And how many times did he tell us that we could do it too? And so they rose up in their faith and a great miracle was. Now see, you don't, listen, you don't get to that level of problem solving by avoiding problems. How about this? Notice the opposite of faith is being afraid of problems. Your heavenly father, listen now, I know when we talk about some of these things from scriptures, you know, talk about demons being cast out, people being healed, but this greatest faith lesson ever taught from Jesus in Mark the 11th chapter, it didn't have anything to do with the devil. It didn't have anything to do with somebody sick. It didn't have anything to do with anybody, you know, in, in need of some physical provision or what have you. It was a fig tree, a fig tree that became the object lesson for the greatest lesson on faith ever taught. And Jesus, led by the Spirit, spoken to, whispered to by his heavenly Father, strategically chose that fig tree to make the point of whatever. 
Not the sarcastic whatever. No, the whatever you ask, whatever you pray, whatever you speak to. Some of you have heard some of Matthew's testimonies about things the Lord has shown him. We, we could talk the rest of the night about the problems he has solved for UAB. Energy problems, supply problems. Um, the Lord gave him this vision of digging wells. Do you have any idea, I don't know what your water bill is, do you have any idea what UAB's, the campus and the hospital, the university and the hospital, do you have any, I don't know, and I'm, it's none of my business if I did, but can you imagine what their water bill is? Well, there he goes. How would you like to get a $7 million water bill? Right. It's water and sewer, and a lot of the water they use doesn't need to go in the sewers, and these giant chillers that air condition all that stuff. And so Matt, the Lord gave, gave him this, this idea, we can solve this $7 million problem by digging wells. The water in the earth is free. Well, it can't be done. You see what I'm saying? He believed it could be. He believed the Lord told him to do it. He believed the Lord showed him how to do it. And so now he gets in faith about it. And I should let you tell the story, but the, basically a world-renowned expert on, on all this finds out about Matt's idea. And he, he reaches out to Matt. Matter of fact, you kind of ignored him at first. He thought it was some salesman trying to, yeah. And the guy's like, you're right. It can be done. And here's how it can be done. So long story short, they dug some wells in Birmingham. How, many, how much money did this save UAB? At least a million dollars a year. See, solved the problem there. It's not in production yet, just digging them, getting the whole thing. Getting the whole thing, hit water at 400 feet. Amen. Right across the street from Bartow Arena, he said. All right. So now, again, see, nobody's bleeding, nobody's blind, nobody's crippled, nobody's starving to death. You know, I mean, you think, gosh, their budget, what's a million dollars? Well, amen. And, and, and there's story after story after story solving problems. Solving problems. Amen. So when we say solving problems by faith, it's, it's, this, it's an attitude. Leadership is an attitude. You know, I know there's all kinds of ideas that, you know, people are born leaders. I, I, I used to buy into that. I don't anymore. Unless you're saying everybody who's born is one. Okay? Some people have, have a more outgoing personality. Some people are more organized, more structured, what have you. But see, we have this concept of a leader as kind of the, as the guy that's the most vocal, the alpha male, what, what have you. Man, there are so many folks that are in the background and, and, and don't say much, but oh my goodness, the problems they solve and the difference they make in other people's lives and the things that, that, that they serve their gift to the world, to other people. And they do it by faith. 
by faith. Amen. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm about finished. I, amen. I, there's a lot in my notes that I didn't get to tonight, but that's fine. I just, this is just really on the, just right on the top of my heart. I just, you know, wanted to share this with you. But, but what, here is the, um, I guess where the rubber meets the road, can we say it that way? Is my, my prayer tonight, and, I, and I'm fixing to pray it here in just a moment, but I'm going to tell you why I'm praying what I'm praying. My prayer tonight is that the Lord would show you a problem that He wants you to solve. Amen. That, that maybe it's something in your life personally, you know, some personal thing rather, something for you, personal for you. But I'm not saying that faith and all that won't. In other words, it'll solve problems for you in your own life, absolutely 100%. But I'm, I'm more interested tonight because what I've, what I've learned and what my parents taught me is that if, if you have some need in your life, figure out some way to meet a similar need in somebody else's life. If you're needing healing, pray for somebody else's healing. If, you, if you're needing your family restored, then pray for somebody else and try to do something to help somebody else in their family. Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, because as we begin to release those things in our lives, it, 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 it's seed time and harvest, right? You're planting that in somebody else's life and it starts coming back to you on every wave in a positive way in your life. But I don't, I mean, I, I, when I say an experiment, I don't mean because there's an attitude, what did Yoda say? No such thing as try, do, or do not. So I'm not saying let's give this a try. I don't mean it like that when I call it an experiment. But ask the Lord to show you a problem that needs to be solved that can only be solved by faith. Is that fair enough? Amen. So a problem that needs to be solved that can only be solved by faith. The Lord laid a, uh, I, I'm not at liberty to talk about it right now, um, but the Lord laid a, a, a pretty big problem on my heart and, and I felt really challenged to, to speak to that mountain and, um, and believe that I've already received it and then deliberately, intentionally enter into confident expectation, excitement about it. All those are deliberate, intentional things. You choose to believe, choose to be excited because I believe, choose to be in hope about it. And so all that was, all that was going really fine and dandy. And, and then I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, now tell the main person that this problem involves And so I sent him a text. I said, it, I said, I just want you to know the mountain of was moved into the sea at approximately 8.40 a.m. Monday morning. Amen. Amen. Now I am in, I am in confident expectation. You see what I'm saying here, right? 
this problem really and truly doesn't, doesn't affect me or my family, but it, but, it, but it is something that I'm a part of and connected to that I, that I have um, place. You understand what I mean by place? You know, um, I can pray and believe with Bruce Baisden about his business because he's given me place. In, in, you follow what I'm saying? In his business, in his life, as his pastor, right? Other folks, you know, it's like, <laughs> I don't have that place, so that makes it very hard or difficult for me. Um, and it has, this has nothing to do with Bruce that I'm talking about. But that's, that's, that's the, I wish I could give you more details on that, but I just don't feel released by the Holy Spirit to do that. But because, again, it affects other people and it's their story to tell, but... Um, that's, that's what I'm referring to. I know this, hang with me for a moment now. If two things are easy, then to say one is easier doesn't make the other hard, right? Remember what Jesus said, which is easier? To say, to a lame man, take up your bed and walk, or to say to that same man, your sins be forgiven. Aren't you glad he didn't say which is harder? Which is easier? So for Jesus and for our Father, healing is just as easy as receiving forgiveness of sins. Let me say that again, I must not. Is this on? Amen. Healing is just as easy as forgiveness of sins, which, which is easier. Right, you see how you asked that question. Amen. But this is, what, this is what I'm discovering in my life, and this is why I want you to find a situation where you can use your faith for somebody else's need. I'm finding it's easier to believe for somebody else than it is for myself. Anybody? And I think there's a lot going on with that. I think number one is because faith works by love. And so when you're doing something genuinely from your heart to help somebody else, love is the motive behind that and it energizes faith. The other thing of course is when you're not so emotionally involved in, 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 a, in a situation, you know, it's, it's easier you know, for you to believe. Um, obviously, Ronnie and Terry have stood in faith for Anna and, 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 and Rodney, their children, and God's doing miracles in both of their lives. And, and their faith and their example of faith and their footsteps of faith has been a beautiful thing to watch. But it's, it's easy for me to believe for their children to be healed, right? Because um, the emotional attachment is not the same as it is my own children. You see the difference there, right? Um, and so I think a lot of times, one of the, the keys to receiving what we need from the Lord, back to that whole deal, what my parents taught me, you know, you, you, know, you see somebody that, you need something in your life, find somebody that needs the same thing and pray for them, believe for them, work with them, and it's amazing how God will do that work in, in your life. But in a situation where, you know, the weight, the burden 
of, of that thing is not really resting on my shoulders. See, now, yeah, I'll tell you what, it, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what it, I compare it to. You need somebody in your life that you trust, that you'll listen to. And many, many times over the years in, in counseling or just in a, we may not call it counseling, somebody comes to me and asks me, you know, Pastor Mark, what do I need to do? Help me with this situation. What does the word say? What have you? And obviously they're in a situation where maybe it's one of their children or it's their marriage or it's their money or it's something like that. And obviously there's an emotional attachment there that's weighing heavily upon them. And before I give them the answer, and it's the answer from the Word of God, the answer that the Holy Spirit's led me to to share with them, a lot of times I'll begin by saying, I know this is easy for me to say. Right? I mean, it's really easy for me to say, yeah, you, you need to let your son sit in jail until he dries out and gets sober. Don't go bond him out. You know, let him... Use. Easy for me to say, because not my son sitting in jail. But, listen to me though, that's one of the reasons we need those kind of people in our lives, right? Because they're not so caught up in the emotion of it. They love us, they, they, they want to help us, they genuinely are concerned for us, but because they're not so caught up in, in the emotion of the moment, they can, they can speak from a place of clarity. Where our place in there, because of the emotions, because of the history, because of all that, it, if we're not careful, it clouds it. So in other words, believing God with and for somebody else um, is, is like that. Amen. Because maybe I just need to pray. Are y'all following what I'm saying? Okay. All right. And not to mention it's just a really good place to, to practice your faith. And I, I don't mean to make that like some cold, calculated... Um, almost sterile, you know, just go practice your faith on them, those poor people with those problems. That's not what I'm trying to say. But again, we've got to engage it somewhere, right? We've got to get involved somewhere. And I really feel like that's what the Lord's leading us to do. Now, one last thing. Hoping and praying, that's not who we are, Okay. The devil will have you hoping and praying the rest of your life. But notice what hoping and praying is skipping over. Hoping and praying is skipping over believing you received already. Believing you've already received. Even when it's not yet revealed to the senses. Even when your eyes haven't seen it, you haven't tasted it, you haven't held it in your hands, you can't look at it in a statement in the bank account. But you've belie you believe you've already received it. Amen? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. Father, you said in your word that when you stand amongst your people, you stand in the congregation of the mighty. And Father, I thank you tonight that the men and women in this room, we, we are not the, the, the congregation of the losers. We're not the, uh, the assembly of the broken, Father. We, we, we are the congregation of conquerors, Lord. We are overcomers 
And Father, you created us to be leaders, to be servant leaders. You created us to be problem solvers. Help us understand what that really looks like. Father, a street level view of life. Lord, from the simplest thing that we can do to help someone maybe by sharing something we have with them that they don't have physically, food, water, money, gasoline, whatever, those simple things. But Lord, may we not stop there. May we also set our sights on problems that can only be solved by faith and then exercise our faith, Lord, to see those mountains moved. I thank you, Father, for the mountain that was moved into the sea at 8.40 a.m. last Monday morning. <laughs> Makes me smile every time I think about it, Lord, and, and the people that are going to benefit. Father, when we actually have in our hands what we've believed we have already. And so thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that those in this room, Lord, would or it's not enough for us just to hear, Lord. We don't want to be hearers only. May we take what you're saying to us and do something with it this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus.